0: For the harvest of the year, hard-won from an earth at once bountiful and grudging, we give thanks. For all our cleverness, all our technology, all our pride in our own achievements, we are as dependent on our mother planet as were our forebears remote in time, those who first scratched a living from its surface. We are sojourners here. With reverence and wisdom we must till the soil. It is not ours to own and dispose of as we will. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And it is our children's and our children's children's too. For them it must be as fertile, as green, as rich in life as it has been for us. And we must do what we can to make it so, as faithful stewards of this good earth. So for the harvest of the year, let us give thanks. The harvest of shared faith and shared work, shared spirit and shared endeavor. And may we each play our part in continuing the cycle, planting seeds through our own loving action, so others too may reap the harvest of this faithful, hopeful, loving community. opening words by cliff reed they welcome all those who have gathered this morning for our sunday service welcome those of you who are here in person at essex church welcome those who are joining us via zoom from far and wide i did suggest you might bring your favorite fruit and veg to church today so i think i should say welcome to our plant-based visitors as well for anyone who doesn't know me my name is jane blackhall and i'm minister with kensington unitarians whoever you are however you are wherever you are You are welcome with us this day, just as you are. As you may have gathered, this morning's service is our harvest festival. Um, There's a wonderful display of colourful produce gathered on our table, and I've given this morning's service the subtitle, From Field to Fork. We'll be reflecting on the complex network of interdependence that brings such delicious food to our table, and we'll be taking time to give thanks for all the people and processes that help to deliver that harvest to us. But let's take a moment before we go any further to settle ourselves in to arrive and prepare our hearts to worship we've each chosen to come here this day to join together in community for this time of spiritual nourishment we've set aside this time to be together to attend to the life of the spirit so let's take a breath or two and catch up with ourselves make sure we're properly present right here right now for we make this hour sacred with our presence and intention it's good to be together again and i'll light our chalice flame as i do each time we gather it's a simple ritual that connects us with unitarians and unitarian universalists the world over and it reminds us of the proudly progressive religious tradition of which this gathering is part we light our chalice as a symbol of gratitude as we celebrate the abundance of our lives together. In this sanctuary we harvest bushels of strength for one another and offer our crop with gentle hands of compassion and generosity. In the authentic manner of our connections we cultivate a simple sweetness to brighten our spirits. So may we be grateful for the ways we nourish and uplift each other For it is the sharing of this hallowed time together that will sustain us. Time to sing. Our first hymn today is number 269 in the Green Book, if you're in the church. Really traditional hymn for harvest time. We plough the fields and scatter. For those joining via Zoom, the words will be up on screen to sing along at home. If you've got qualms about the old-fashioned language, perhaps you might feel comforted to think of the many generations that went before who sang these words to give thanks for the harvest. Sing up as best you can and feel free to stand or sit as you prefer. take all of those joys and concerns, both spoken and unspoken into an extended time of prayer now. This prayer is based in part on some words by Simon John Barlow. You might want to adjust your position to get more comfortable, you might want to close your eyes, you might want to focus on the chalice flame. Perhaps there's a posture that helps you to feel more prayerful, whatever helps you get into the right state of body and mind to pray together now,
1: to be present with yourself, with each other. And with that which lies within us and beyond us spirit of life god of all love in whom we live and move and have our being we turn our full attention to you
0: the light within and without as we tune into the depths of this life and the greater wisdom to which and through which we are all intimately connected
1: Be with us now as we allow ourselves to drop into the silence and the stillness at the very centre of our being. Spirit of exuberant abundance, source of all. In our lives we have reaped where we have sown and so we celebrate this gift of life you gave us and the strength and delight that we possess to love and play to plan and work, to grow and know. And we have also gathered fruits where others planted seeds. And so we give thanks for the lives and labours of those we love and loved, for those who love us, and for all those dear souls who enrich our lives, with whom we laugh and cry, walk and talk. We hold in the light of compassion, those whose harvest is not yet ready. Those whose harvest has failed. Those whose harvest is bitter or painful. Guide us that we may treat all your creation with respect. So that we use our gifts, our talents and our blessings to bring a brighter harvest for all humanity. Spirit of life, God of all love, help us to turn from callousness to sensitivity, from hostility to love, from pettiness to purpose, from envy to contentment, from carelessness to mindfulness, from fear to faith. Help us revive our lives as at a new beginning. And we know that in our company this morning, and every time we gather,
0: there will be those among our number who are suffering in body, mind and spirit. We know too well there is much struggle, hardship and injustice the world over. So let us spend a few moments directing our
2: prayers of loving kindness to all those who suffer this day. In our company this morning and every time we gather there will be those
0: among our number whose hearts are full and overflowing, uplifted by family and friends, inspired by nature and culture, engaged in meaningful work. So let us spend a few moments
2: directing prayers of gratitude for all that is still good in our lives.
1: In our company this morning and every time we gather, there will be those among our number who are just getting by as best they can. Stumbling through life's endless ups and downs and seeking to discern the next step forward. So let's spend a few
2: moments asking for what we most need to face all that life might bring our way. Time to sing again. The next hymn is number 156
0: in your green books, The Harvest of Truth. It broadens out the theme of harvest somewhat to consider all the forms of harvest we might reap in this life. We do sing it occasionally but not that often so I'm going to ask Andrew to play it through in full once before we start to sing. Uh, The words will be up on your screen as usual. Let's give it our best shot. The Harvest of Truth, number 156.
2: Woody's Harvests
3: by Vanessa Rush Southern. When I was little, I spent a couple of summers in Hobbs, New Mexico, with my grandfather Woody and my grandmother Mari. Late in life, Woody decided to raise racehorses. He bought 30 acres of land and planted alfalfa on half of it to help him feed those horses. Woody had grown up on a farm, so farming was not new to him. But harvest is a pretty precious business, no matter how long you've been at it. Moreover, alfalfa has particular challenges. To be made into hay, it has to be left to dry in the fields before it is baled. If alfalfa is baled when it is wet, a mould can grow. One that's okay for cows, but bad for horses. Each summer, the alfalfa would grow lush and green, but eventually Woody would have to decide when it was time to harvest. This meant predicting the weather, and lining up folks to help, and a baler he could borrow or rent. If rain kept away, and the stars were aligned, And the folks turned up and the equipment worked within a week the field would be cut and the farm and the barn filled with the sweet smell of hay however a little harsh weather or unexpected rain or a machine that gave you trouble or even a day's delay could mean that what was brought in might be almost useless when it worked Which it did most years it was a great experience when family and friends stood by the barn with rafter high stacks of golden bales an intense joy and exhausted sweaty satisfaction permeated the air being part of those days efforts gave us a feeling of pride and gratitude and generosity came easy what was brought in was more than one person made possible. Part expertise, part grace. So if you needed hay in the winter, there was some for the, for the taking. And if others needed help in their fields, it was obvious that help was there for the asking. Later on, when Woody retired, He ran a kind of uh, community agricultural project out of his backyard garden he used to drive around the neighborhood giving away bags of tomatoes and squash and whatever else he could grow by then harvest and generosity had become a way of life it wasn't just that my grandfather and those he knew came from less and had less And so they knew in their bones the truth of the interdependent web of life and how much they relied on it in order to survive. It wasn't just that. Rather, it was this whole sense of connection to what it means to harvest, how close harvest often stands to hunger, and the humility and gratitude that the earth and the precariousness of its bounty keep fresh and alive in a person. Something is lost in a supermarket of perpetual plenty. So how do you and I remember what Woody knew and reconnect with that awareness which harvest season makes so clear?
1: Thanks, John. So we're moving into a time of meditation now. I'm going to share a short poem by Rosemarie Watola-Trummer.
0: It's a reflection on the humble carrot, um, or perhaps I should say the slightly posh carrot, because the poem is titled Chantanay. It invites us to reflect on the long journey of the carrot to our plate from not just field to fault, but telling a longer story that goes much further back in the prehistory of the carrot. And through the carrot story, the poem invites us to reflect on our own life's journey as well, and the imprint that we might leave on the world. The poem will take us into about three minutes of silence, which will end with the sound of a bell, and then we can hear some lovely music from Abby and Andrew to continue the meditative mood. So again, let's do what we need to do to get comfortable, adjust your
1: position, put your feet on the floor if you like, and the words are an offering, feel free to use this time to meditate in your own way. When in ancient Persia the farmers began to selectively breed wild carrots to make them
0: sweeter and minimize the woody core, they could not have imagined how over 2000 years later a woman on another continent would harvest hundreds and hundreds of carrots on a late October day. And as she pulled the long orange roots
1: from the near frozen earth She would thank those farmers for their work. Such a miracle of sweetness, the carrot. So brittle, so high in sugar, such a shocking, brilliant orange. And yet not a miracle. The story of the carrot is like so many stories. It is a testament to many hands over centuries, shaped into what it is today. I look at these hands of mine as they tug the rosettes, as they scrape the loose dirt, as they trim, what will they sew?
2: What will they select? What legacy of change will they leave? This is a reading called Saving Grace by Kathleen McTeague. Wise
4: souls from every tradition teach that gratitude is at the heart of the spiritual life because it leads us to all the rest of our lives. Consider the simplest practice of gratitude when saying grace before we eat a meal. That little moment of attention is enough to wake us up to the world. Instead of chugging a glass of water down our thirsty throats, gratitude reminds us how lucky we are that clean water flows for us with the simple turn of the tap at the sink. Instead of shoveling down our food so we can get on to the next activity or eating so distractedly that we barely taste it, that moment of saying grace helps us look at the meal with a kind of reverence. We pause and remember not everyone gets to eat, not even everyone in our own country or our own city. Where did all this food come from? Where did the water come from? None of it spontaneously generated there on the plate or in the glass. So we remember the rain and the soil and the sun on which everything depends we remember the invisible makers of this meal, the people who bend over the fields for hours planting or harvesting, the ones in the barns or slaughterhouses, the ones who work in factories or who drive the trucks or who ring up the cash registers. Even a fleeting prayer of thankfulness for our daily bread reminds us of how fragile and dependent our bodies are how everything hinges on everything else and awakens us again to the fundamental grace of breath, water and food. Kathleen Mati concludes with a short grace prayer and these words are printed on front of your order of service to take away and they're also on the church website. Perhaps you might like to try saying grace in this way or in the words of your own as a blessing next time you sit down to eat. Thank you for the earth, the sun, and rain. Thank you for the gladness of being together. May they be blessed, all those whose hands planted, nurtured, harvested, and helped to prepare our food. May it
2: make us strong for the work of our world. Amen. Thanks Sonia.
1: So whenever we gather together for our little harvest festival at church each autumn, I get a sense of being part
0: of a long line, a very, very long line of humans who have been doing something quite similar for many generations. It's a tradition that transcends religious boundaries. It transcends national borders. After all, we all need to eat. And throughout history, our ancestors will have been quite aware of the precariousness of their situation and their dependence on a good harvest in order to survive. I don't know about you, but for most of my life, I confess I have somewhat taken it for granted that there would be food on the table. I've been very lucky to grow up in what felt to me like a time of plenty living in one of the world's richest countries. And until quite recently, in a time of relative political and economic stability with a functioning social social security system. I'm not sure we can say that's the case anymore. Although my family were never rolling in it when I was younger, not by any means, we were never in serious danger of going hungry either. I am used to a world where the supermarket shelves are full of fresh produce with an ever-increasing variety of new and unusual fruit and veg from all around the world, making its way to our shores. Farmers markets and corner shops that cater to all comers in our multicultural city have opened us up to new culinary horizons, which of course is all well and good if you can afford it. And indeed, if the planet can afford it in terms of the energy and pollution involved in the production and transport of our produce. Like I said, I know I have been lucky to live in such times and such relatively privileged circumstances, to be able to take pleasure in food, rather than having to worry too much about where the next meal is coming from. I know a lot of people all over the world, and in all likelihood, including people in our gathering, who are not or have not been so fortunate. And of course, in living memory here in Britain, um, we had food rationing through World War II and into the 50s. I remember my parents and grandparents talking about their experience of food shortages. I'm sure my mum said they used to grow veg on top of their Anderson Anderson bombshell or in the garden, and they kept chickens in the backyard in poplar, whatever they could do to supplement their very skimpy rations of the bare essentials. That experience of scarcity shaped the attitudes of a generation who could never take it for granted that food would be plentiful and they were assiduous about avoiding food waste for the rest of their days. Now, I've given today's service this subtitle From Field to Fork, which makes it sound simple, doesn't it? And I suppose in some ways it still is for those of us who are lucky enough to have access to a garden or an allotment and the time and the energy and the physical capacity it takes to work a little patch of land. The journey from field to fork can still be short and a few of us brought in homegrown produce to show off on the central table. Juliet's potatoes, John and Pat's pumpkins and chard, uh, Jack and Harriet's courgette and fantastic cucumber. There's all sorts, Ramona grew a tomato and a cucumber in the little garden next downstairs um we can still do it we can still grow our own but as wonderful as that is i don't think any of us are close to being (laughs) self-sufficient and in reality none of us are ever going to be self-sufficient are we we are deeply interdependent most of us most of the time are reliant on an increasingly complex global network for our food and over the last few years i think we've become increasingly aware of the fragility of that network empty shelves and shortages of stock have become much more common sites the last few years. For a multitude of reasons, climate change has destabilised growing conditions for many, geopolitical instability has pushed up energy prices and um, it's interrupted production in many factories, knock on effects from Brexit have affected our borders with difficulties and delays, worker shortages, and reportedly some importers have stopped bringing food into the country altogether. Bird flu has interrupted egg and poultry production. All these factors, and many I haven't even named, including corporate greed, no doubt, they've all pushed up food prices as well. We know that many people have been pushed to the very brink and food banks are desperately over sub- oversubscribed. Now, I know none of this is news to any of you. But on the day of our harvest festival, as well as admiring the beautiful fruit and veg, it seems really important, especially for us as city dwellers, to get real about the complicated journey from field to fork these days. Our systems of food production clearly illustrate the deep interdependence of all life on this planet. So let us be mindful, let us be mindful of our responsibility to each other, to the environment. which we depend. Let us keep in our awareness those who go hungry and let us work towards a more just world, one in which resources are more fairly shared such that all beings get what they need to survive and to thrive. Let us be aware of the fragility and the precarity of our harvest. Let's not take it for granted.
1: Let us give thanks each day for our daily bread and our daily tomatoes and pumpkins and all the rest.
0: So in that spirit, I invite you to join in a responsive prayer of harvest thanksgiving. I've not printed out the words in full because there's just a simple refrain. The refrain is printed in your order of service. Spirit of life, God of all love, we give thanks for life's blessings. I will put the words up on screen as well. So let's pray. Let us give thanks this harvest time for all the colors and forms of creation that populate this precious earth. And for our place within it. Spirit of life, God of all love, we give thanks for life's blessings. For our daily food and for those whose work and skill bring your good gifts to us. Spirit of life, God of all love, we give thanks for life's blessings. For the gifts and graces inspired in human minds and hearts for insight and imagination, and the skills of research which bring healing and fulfilment to the lives of many. Spirit of life, God of all love, we give thanks for life's blessings. For the light and shade of changing seasons, for their variety and their dependability, for new life and growth out of barrenness and decay. Spirit of life, God of all love, we give thanks for life's blessings. For new hope and strength in our communities especially in this church congregation and among all who call to serve the good spirit of life god of all love we give thanks for life's blessings for all in whose lives we see goodness kindness gentleness patience and humility those souls who embody the fruits of the spirit spirit of life god of all love we give thanks for life's blessings. For the life we've been given and for all those whom you've given us to share it. Spirit of life, God of all love, we give thanks for life's blessings. Amen. One last hymn then. It's another traditional harvest song, number 271 in your green books. Give thanks for the corn. Again, feel free to Stand or sit as you prefer, hymn 271. Just a few announcements then, Um, thank you to Ramona for tech hosting, thanks to Sherry for co-hosting at home, thanks to John and Sonia for doing our readings, thanks to Abby and Andrew for our music, Um, thanks to David for multitasking in the kitchen and beyond, and Brian for stepping in as a greeter. For those who are here in person, do stay behind, we've got coffee and walnut cake today that will be served in the hall next door. If you're online, do stay around for a chat with Sherry. You've got various small group activities that go on at church during the week. Heart and Soul, our contemplative spiritual gathering, takes place on Sundays and Fridays online. It's a great way to get to know people more deeply. Send me an email if you want to sign up for tonight, and Rita if you want to sign up for Friday when this week's theme is Making Plans. I should also mention that we're going to start Heart and Soul in person once a month from the 18th of October. That'll be the first one. This Wednesday the poetry group will be here at church. Uh, do come along and share a favourite poem with others. Hang on, is it this Wednesday? No. Sorry. Good job that you looked a bit dubiously at me there Brian. Mm-hmm. Scratch that. Put the date in your diary for the first week of October when the poetry group will be. It's just an advance notice isn't it. The thing is I'm about to go on holiday and I'm planning about five services at once so I think that was a cut and paste error. Next Sunday, Sarah will be here leading a service to mark the Autumn Equinox and Margaret will be offering her Finding Your Voice singing workshop after the service. That's free, do plan to come and stay for that. Um, A last minute addition to the programme, this is 90% sure to happen but I want to get it in your diaries before I disappear. We're gonna be starting up a regular community singing group at the church on Wednesday evenings. It's a collaboration with a local musician who's been running a singing for fun group in the area for 20 odd years, and he wants to start a spin off with us. Everyone's welcome, you don't need to read music. The repertoire is mainly classic pop songs, I believe, and it sounds like it's gonna be proper fun. If this comes off, the first session's gonna be on Wednesday the 11th of October at seven o'clock, for free, but donations are always welcome. It would be really good if we had a decent turnout of congregation members for this, because I think it would be a really good way of us getting more linked in with the local community. So if that is definitely happening, they will see an email about that at some point. But 11th of October should be the first one. So as I said, I'm about to go on holiday. This will be the last you see of me for a few weeks. I hope to see most of you at the induction service on the 14th, Saturday the 14th of October. That marks the official commencement of the new ministry, even though I've been here a while. It's an excuse for tea and cake and bunting and friends from all over the place to join in celebration. Um, More than that, it's a chance to express our hopes and intentions for this ministry and to pledge our commitment to the the future of the congregation. Um, the, the, The theme of the service will be ministry is all we do together so I hope to see you there and members keep an eye out for an email because I'm going to invite you to contribute little insights that I'm going to weave into that service I think that's everything all the details are in your Friday email and on the back of your order of service please do sign up for the mailing list if you haven't already and you can keep informed we very much have a life beyond Sunday mornings and we encourage you to keep in touch and nurture supportive connections just time for our closing words and closing music then May we be inspired with gratitude for the wondrous gifts that are ours and filled with the resolve to share them with all who are in need. May we hold precious one another and this world which provides us with sustenance and beauty. And as our time together ends, may a joyful song of thanksgiving be on our lips for all life's harvests as we go out and meet the days to come. Amen.